Hey guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy. Good morning and welcome back to another episode of Dubai Works Business Podcast. On today's show, we're joined by Eleanor Davies-Farn, a Welsh entrepreneur and founder of natural hair care brand Ole Hair. No, yeah, yeah, we're good. Ole Hair, yeah, sorry, O L E W Hair, an award winning hair care brand that specializes in natural, vegan, and cruelty free products, specifically uh, designed for curly hair. I can see where that came from. <laughs> the brand was born out of frustration at the lack of natural hair products and the need for a solution. Uh, the uh, Eleanor's story is that she had a hundred pounds on her kitchen table in a creative hub uh, at Leighton, East London, uh, and they launched the brand in 2018 uh, with with those resources. And all products are made in the UK, where Eleanor is recently named as a leading uh, 30 under 30 female entrepreneurs last year. So uh, Eleanor decided to bring Olo uh, to the UAE and Gulf region in February this year due to the uh, organic support and loyalty she's already got for the brand in the region, which is really interesting. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So great story. So yeah, can you tell us a bit more about the brand and that moment where you kind of started it? Yeah, um, so Olo was born out of the frustration of me not finding the right products for my hair. Um, and a lot of ladies will relate with the fact that we used to put mousse in our hair and it just be very very crispy kind of looking um but also it was born out of me wanting to share the confidence that embracing my natural hair gave me um so from the age of 12 until I was about 19 20 I used to straighten my hair twice a day I used to be obsessed with just having straight glossy hair and clearly I'd never could ever have straight glossy hair because look at my hair it's not, not straight or glossy at all um and growing up especially like during the 90s and early noughties I think straight hair was the ideal of beauty and like the beauty norm and I think a lot of women especially um even men straighten their hair kind of relate to that feeling of not feeling truly beautiful or handsome because they didn't have that hair so I'd always ah. kind of strive to to straighten my hair and have this yeah, obsession with it. Um, and it also just lowered my self-esteem while I was growing up. So as soon as I started to stop um, straightening my hair, this whole new personality inside me came out and my true self came out. And I was like, there must be so many people out there that felt exactly like me. Um, so that's that was the main driver of why I wanted to quit my corporate job and everyone thought I was absolutely nuts because I'd never <laughs> sold hair products, didn't have a clue about hair things really I was just in the car industry um, which is completely opposite yeah um, so yeah it was born out of those two 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 kind of streams really um, and I decided to create the first product was the oil um, which I'd made in my kitchen for years before that because my hair was very dry and it wouldn't um, it wouldn't grow and a lot of people can probably relate because if you bleach it and straighten it and blow dry it mm. um, there's just no nutrients in your hair so the oil is really good for growth and repair. Wow. Um, yeah, so it's, yeah, so that was really, really good. And I'd go on the tube, because obviously I lived in London, and I had random women ask me what I'd put in my hair. 
And I'd be like, oh, I just make this in my kitchen. I'll give you some. <laughs> and I'd be like, okay, yeah, that's fine. I'd meet these women and just give them my potion and just like be on my way. Um, and then there was one, uh, one day I was in my corporate job and um, I hadn't washed my hair for a long time because, yeah, I just was too busy. So I had it scraped back in a plait. And I was speaking to a customer and then I'd finished. And um, one of the managing directors, who was a woman, said, oh, your hair looks a lot more professional like that. You should you should really have that like that more often. And I was like, wow, what? Rude. <laughs> so rude. And I was like, if that's happening to me, there's, you know, women in, you know, other kind of Afro-Caribbean and Indian Emiratis, we all have very coarse wavy curly hair and I was like if that's happening to me it must be happening to so many other women and I was like I need to do something about this because yeah. this is this is not good good not story right. <laughs> you know so many kind of real you know I say real but entrepreneurial stories do be, is born out of frustration of not finding the products but sort of having that frustration and having the will to do it is one thing how did you actually turn that homebrew portion <laughs> yeah. potion into a product and a brand um, well, I quit my job because I felt like I think some people can work their job and then do their side hustle at the same time. And I'm kind of what was the job? Um, so it was working for BMW Group. Um, so I was on a graduate scheme. So I did um, I was the first product genius for the mm. brand, which is really fun. Cool. Um, nice then I title. Did sales. <laughs> um, then I did account executive role. So I'd uh, look after footballers, rugby players, golfers. I'd go to like Wentworth f1 and yeah it was very very glamorous and i'd have a really nice car and it was um yeah no it was so so fun and i learned so much in terms of kind of marketing sales pr and understanding how you know how to how to sell things really um so yeah i was very very blessed by that um yeah by that part of my life um but i decided to just quit because it wasn't really fulfilling me and in, in and i'm sure a lot of people and i've listened to a lot of your podcast lots of people feel it the same way it wasn't really the money was good but it wasn't making me tick as a person and i was like there must be more to life than just waking up going to work like kind of being like a robot um so yeah i quit my job and i'd saved a bit of money just to make sure that i could live and pay my bills and you know eat um, and I, I'm from, well, a part in Wales that we're called Cardies. Okay. Um, so it's not that we're frugal, but we like to, we watch the pennies kind yeah. of thing. Um, so when I decided to quit my job and open Ole as a brand, um, I was very strict in, in the fact that I only wanted to put £100 into the business which is so different to most people that I speak to, like other entrepreneurs, they go for funding, crowdfunding, you know, seed funding, all of this, like, these things. Yeah. Um, but I literally was like a one-man band with £100. So my first website, like if I look at it now, it was ridiculous. It was the most <laughs> basic thing. And I didn't even have a checkout. So I'd have, I, <laughs> I had a link to like PayPal, to like people to just send me money, like, you know, you would... Yeah. Yeah, it was just, it was... Something, it, it works. Yeah, it was something, because <laughs> I didn't have to pay for it. Yeah. Um, so in my head, I was like, okay, I've spent my £100, I've got my ingredients, I've got all the safety stuff done. Um, I did the logo out of painting something myself, which is still the same today, really, ah. the um, the letters. Yeah. And used some cushions and some materials that I really liked around my house, took the picture, 
and the logo was born as well. Because um, it's got, on, I've seen on your website and your Instagram, it's got that artistic, creative kind of branding, <laughs> like homemade stuff. <laughs> But yeah. Um, yeah, so I was like, if I can sell 100 of these, then I've got a business. And then every, and up until today, everything that I make out of the business, I reinvest into the business. So I mm. haven't borrowed anything or had any funding or anything like that, um, which is quite, quite unusual when I speak to other people. Um, and the brand grew from just one bottle of Olo original, which is the hair oil for growth and repair, um, to now we've got six products in the range. Um, but from that kind of small kitchen startup, um, I went out and started networking with a lot of people, which obviously you have to do. Um, and I found an amazing business partner who is a chemist. Um, so he's a part of the Royal College of Chemistry in the UK mm. um, and he's been in the beauty industry for about 30 years. So in terms of getting the best um, ingredients and the best formulations, I'm yeah, I'm so, so blessed to have that him as a business partner that helps me with all the formulations. Mm. Amazing. So, yeah, that's a kind of a, an important part because, you know, there's many different ways to approach this, I guess. You can do, uh, you can have the brand and then, have different providers of the product, but manufacturing is obviously super important to get that right. So that's how you went about that? Yeah, just to upscale because there's only one of me and in my tiny flat in East London, um, you know, packing the the boxes, filling the bottles, labeling everything, doing customer service, doing social media, because um, I was on the, you know, a, the tiniest budget. Um, and to, to scale from that, obviously, you need to realize that I can't just be a woman of all trades if I want to really scale mm. this and make more products to help the community that I'm already helping in terms of embracing their natural hair. So, mm. yeah, I think that's really, really important for, for every entrepreneur to realize that. Yeah, yeah, you need help. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you need a team. But But you managed to do it, so you didn't raise money, so you must have, what, you know, when you launched in... Uh, 2018 did when did you sell the first product and what was the sort of trajectory from there um so i sold the first product two days after i actually launched well incorporated the business mm. um and it was all through pre-orders um so i was like right i'll just put a little post on instagram sh try and get all my friends to share it so i was like <laughs> And um, yeah, just did just did an honest kind of post about and a picture of my hair before I used my hair oil and afterwards, and said, mm. "Look, it does work. Look at my hair now. The how it looked ages ago, awful. Um, if you'd like to try some, there's a little discount. It's made by me. And um, yeah, I got in the first two days, I had like forty six orders." Not bad. Because I, I remember that. Not bad. Um, yeah, from, Wait, no, from little old pounds. me. Yeah. Um, so I was like, oh my God. So I'd like pack it all up, go to the post office, run back down. Yeah. Um, Brilliant. Yeah. It's amazing. It's kind of, there's a really well-known company in the UK, Gymshark, who almost started like that as well, packaging yeah. their own things and stuff like that. It's a, it's a good way, it's a good organic way to start. Like you've got demand from day one. Even if it's only 46, but it's or day, or two days, it's really good. And um, so, uh, yeah, I'll talk about it, a bit about the category. But just going, sorry, continuing on from uh, the start, you were also nominated for an award. How did you kind of win that last year? Um, so 
strange story. I was just working and um, something on my phone popped up and people had mentioned me you know, on an Instagram story and I was like, what's going on? And um, I only found out through people mentioning me from this article. I had no idea that I was, um, yeah, nominate. Well, I was top 30 under 30 in Wales, like Welsh entrepreneurs, amazing. Um, which is amazing. Um, and recently finalists of um, global startup um, and retail startup, wow. which is, yeah, so, so exciting. That's really, it's really cool. So, and so it all started from there, from 2018, from doing the product yourself. How did you, we talked about manufacturing, we talked about the brand uh, and obviously the PayPal powered website, <laughs> but distribution nowadays is really hard to figure out. It's not sort of like a retail product would have been before. So what was your business approach at the start and how did it happen? Um, so my business approach at the start was very much like business to consumer um, because that's how I that's that's the easier way of doing it for me because that was my experience they call these some people that have been on before with vitamins uh, gummy vitamins uh, yeah. right do you remember those guys ali talking yeah. to the producer yeah. but so but they called it digital native vertical brand dnvb do you call yours that um i guess it is yeah 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 so direct to consumer really... uh online only so you're not yeah. going out trying to get a tesco contract in day one um, not on day one no my my actual plan was to target small boutiques especially in wales okay um and there's two reasons for that obviously one my my the name of the brand is welsh so i knew that a lot of welsh boutique um places would love to stock it and i know that the customers would yeah what does it mean? Uh, oil uh, in Welsh. Should have asked yeah. that earlier. Oh, wow. Okay. Because <laughs> um, yeah. it was my first, my first um, product, and I was like, I need something that's a little bit different. Yeah. And also, I really like that people don't pronounce it well because it opens up the conversation of yeah. like, so there is a Welsh ah. language. <laughs> oh, okay. And then I was like, yeah, it's my first language. And it's, so that's another strand of yeah. the business. But. but it's it's better than oil hair, firstly, and secondly, yeah. <laughs> it's got that sort of beauty category like L'Oreal. It's got that sort of flair about it. Two syllables four letters it's not bad yeah and also interestingly you said l'oreal so someone said to me oh when you make it big are you going to change the name because you know it's a welsh word and i was like no why no it's my <laughs> brand name but also no one really says that about l'oreal that's a french name yeah or, you know you've got louis vuitton or all of these words that are used and i was yeah. like why is why is someone asking me that? But that's another, <laughs> that's another conversation for another day. <laughs> yeah, amazing. So you, so you targeted boutiques. Are you, you know, obviously a lot of the period you're, you're launched is in the last 18 months has been pandemic and we, we'll get to the move here, but are you at uh, markets? Are you selling this yourself at sort of uh, pop-up events and things like that? Um, so before the pandemic, I used to do a lot of that. Um, but since the pandemic, there hasn't been any opportunity to do that, unfortunately. I have been doing pop-up um, like markets online, so like on Facebook Lives um, ah. and well, no, Instagram Live, sorry, and on Facebook. So I'd turn my flat into a little market and I'd actually have a stand and put all of my products out and have Very my... smart. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, I would just like talk to customers virtually because obviously they were at home in lockdown. Yeah. Um, so that was really fun. And I think the, the one thing about doing things like that is that you understand your customer like directly. Hmm. Um, which is super, super important. And from the feedback that I get from my customers, that's how I develop my next product. So I don't actually just copy another brand and see what product they do. I actually ask 
the people that use my products and yeah. say, okay, what would you like? And yeah. then they get to test it and give me advice and things like Interesting. that. Interesting. So, yeah. And and so it's evolved now, and uh, really keen to ask a little bit more about the yeah. category because it was fascinating yeah. when you introduced <laughs> it. I don't know a lot about curly hair, obviously, but <laughs> uh, Ali, your your audible laugh can be heard. <laughs> no, but so sorry. So just on the on the distribution and direct to consumer and trends like this, what's the price point? And do you find that people are ordering in bulk? Do you have a subscription model? What, how does it work? How does the purchasing cycle work as well? Um, so to begin with, a lot of people go to our first product, the Ola Original. Um, so it depends on what uh, where they are in their hair journey. So if they have just stopped straightening their hair and their hair is needs some TLC, hmm. um, they start with the Ola Original because they know that that's you know our baby and there's loads of reviews about it and we get mentions on Instagram every day about it. So they normally start with that, which is around 90 dirhams um, for a 30 ml bottle. Um, but with all of my products, because I am a curly haired person, a lot a little goes a long way. Because one thing that I really didn't like about lots of the products out there is that you have to use about half the tub to get the results and then you have to buy another one in a week. Mm. Um, so I wanted value for money. And, you know, lots of people say, oh, well, you could make more money if people used it quicker. And I was like, that's not that's not my mantra. I was like, that that used to annoy me as a consumer. So okay. I'm definitely not doing that. Um, so, yeah, they start off with the oil. And then within about four weeks, they'll go to the curl cream, which is 110 dirhams. Um, the curl cream and the gel. So it's the styling trio, which is the most popular, um, especially in humid kind of temperatures and climates those are like our product heroes um and then we the shampoo and conditioner will always be at the end of their kind of journey once they've really trusted us okay um but there are differences in different markets so for example when a lot of emirati um ladies would purchase Ola when i was in the uk they'd buy the whole bundle and I guess that's because they didn't want to keep buy, you know, purchasing postage and, mm. and packaging twice or three times. Okay, um, so you can sell them, a, even if it's the six products, you can sell them in the bundle, yeah. Yeah. Okay, and, and so how did that happen? How did, how did the Emirati interests happen and how did, how did you end up here? Yeah, <laughs> um, so I think first of all, um, on my social media, I had a few pictures um, of ladies in their shalas and... Um, just represented them as, as women that have hair. Because I think a lot of brands forget that because you don't see their hair doesn't mean that they don't have hair or purchase products. Exactly. Um, Amazing, yeah. So I think that representation and representation matters across all, all things. I think with curly hair, more um, pictures of women with curly hair in professional settings and in magazines and things would really help. And women embrace their hair um, but going back to, to the Emirati and connection and why I'm here um, that was one, <coughs> one aspect of it um, and then there was um, a stockist in Kuwait who I met in London just before the pandemic and um, she had she stocks lots of curly hair products and um, so oh, well yours isn't very well known I don't really know if it's gonna work and I said look I'm gonna give you five bundles for free Go and go and try them. Anything that you make on them, the profit's yours. Just just go back to Kuwait and see how it goes. She calls me in like a week. She's like, I've sold everything people want to buy more. 
like they they've used it and they've told their friends <laughs> they want to use it and we were like oh my she was like I can't believe it wow so um yeah so from there she's one of my biggest stockists and, yeah um orders, orders like such large quantities every amazing month. um and what's really nice is she you know stocks all these well-known brands that have been around and established for years and years yeah she said once someone um buys Olo um they repeat buy it so the highest kind of repeat purchase is through my brand so as soon as they kind of introduce it then she's like I know that they'll continue yeah. to purchase it so from that and then in lockdown um I had a lot of people in Saudi Arabia and the UAE just purchase and you know postage especially in the pandemic was super slow and so expensive yeah um I was still getting orders from this region mm. and there's something inside me like surely I should be there and they don't have to pay all this postage and they can get uh, it quicker. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's why I'm here to to launch it for everyone here. <laughs> so it's, it's a great story. It's a leap of faith to just, you know, shows how authentic you are in a way uh, the brand is to give the product for free and to tap into a market like that. It's, it's interesting. People can plan market entries with budget analysis research and, and that did it for you. It's kind of like how you come up with the new products as well. But did you, so you were in the UK and your customers were your friends and they were stockists and they were uh, boutique places in, in Wales and it's a Welsh name. Were you focused on the UK market and, or did you have an inclination that you wanted it to be digital and global? So my strategy was I wanted to, wanted it to be digital and global, but I knew at the start that you can't just be digital and global from the beginning. And I knew that, you know, niche, like having your niche is so, so important, especially as a small business. And I knew that I had the Welsh community, that everyone that speaks Welsh loves anything that's in the Welsh language. Mm. Um, and two, people with curly hair, which is another niche. Um, so I stuck to that niche to begin with and grew that. And I thought if I can grow that successfully and people like the product and they put, you know, keep purchasing and repurchasing and, and trusting in my new products and really just being amazing advocates for the brand without me, you know, telling them to do so, then I was like, I can do that across the globe. Mm. Um, and um, that's what I'm going to do here. So um, I, I haven't launched it, but I'll give you a, a cheeky insight. Um, we're going to be launching... Uh, Arab, well, all, all out in that kind of Arabic oud scent, mm. all in Arabic writing, um, because of, I, I guess there's two reasons, I guess, Dubai is quite similar, well, not similar at all to Wales, but in terms <laughs> of the language, so you could be in Dubai and you never have to learn Arabic and you'd still be fine, and I think in Wales, you could live in Wales and you never have to learn Welsh and you'd still get by, so there's those two things I think is really, really similar, and um, I'd like to kind of share that understanding and have Arabic labels as well for the Emirati community here and show that I do care about their language and their culture and I do live here and I kind yeah. of understand that underrepresentation of of you being you mm. um, in, in both ways, so in showing your hair or in a shayla and your language and culture. And will you do the matching logo with the Arabic for Olau? Yeah. Trying to think how that would work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cool. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, so just going on the move and the, the cho choice to move like two years into your business, roughly, or three, yeah, um, in, in February this year, typically companies that expand out of uh, Wales and England, and I just know a lot of this about Ireland, there are 
business networks, there are groups, there's enterprise boards to help people market entry, there's distribution connections and things like that. It seems that your approach was the other way around. It was from demand rather than, hey, this is a successful Welsh company, let's help them over there. Is that what happened or is there also a Welsh network that's, that you're tapping into? Not at the moment, no. Okay. Um, so it's just all organic and I think I'm um, probably slightly different to other entrepreneurs that you've spoken to and I kind of just go with faith and my gut, um, <laughs> which, which has worked well so far. Um, so there's no, yeah, I don't have any kind of help in terms of that. I have been approached now while I'm here from kind of Welsh government to help with exporting and things like that. Yeah. Um, but no, I took the plunge and just re- just looked at my figures and looked at my customers and a lot of them were from this region and mm. all my stockists that were performing kind of high numbers were from this region. So I was like, yeah. it just makes sense to, yeah. to be here. Well, it is. It's a fascinating region for this category. I, I know we both spoke about uh, uh, Anisha, who was on the podcast very recently from The Secret Skin and talked about uh, the numbers. I can't remember at the top of my head, but the the numbers in the category is, is fascinating. Yeah. So you must have kind of looked at those and went, well, you know, that's amazing. If I can do what I'm doing now and then I can tailor it for Saudi, for Kuwait, for UAE, yeah. it's um, you'll probably be you know you'll probably be fully focused on here you'll forget about Wales (laughs) (laughs) no no (laughs) Um, yeah similarly to secret skin really we're all about clean beauty and just understanding that customers right now well a lot of people are kind of moving away from this you know there's like this fast fashion and there's also fast kind of beauty and they're moving away from that way of thinking and kind of looking at ingredients and seeing Mm. okay this isn't why am I putting this on my scalp? That's awful, like chemical mm. stuff. Um, so yeah, there's a there's a huge push from consumers. But I wonder, you know, I wonder how much of it is that the product is good and by default it's good because it's got good uh, ingredients, but uh, it's good. So for example, the question really is, there are multinational brands that can potentially uh, bulk this trend you spoke about and it yeah. fascinates to know more about straightening hair and you know looking after curly hair so uh they can follow that trend mm-hmm. without being clean can they is it possible to have a product that looks after curly hair without being clean i think there 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 is um but it's only for kind of a short term so okay. i used to use kind of those products and okay. then you get results like instant results like you know like fast yeah. fashion get a nice little t-shirt that was three no, I don't know, yeah. 10, 10 dirhams, and then in a week you have to put it in the bin because, you know, it washed and it's about this big. Yeah, and there's all <laughs> um, sustainability issues about how that cotton was produced exactly. and everything like that. And I yeah. think the same with the beauty industry. So, okay, something that isn't clean and isn't natural will give you the, the same results, but it's going to damage your hair mm. in, you know, in a month's time. So you're actually, okay, you've paid half the price, but you've damaged your hair, so you're now going to have to pay more to repair for your hair. Yeah. So I think that way of thinking, a lot of people are now coming round to it slowly. Yeah. And, and just on the kind of straight hair thing, <laughs> because <laughs> I, when you described it, I was kind of like, is that why they do it? Yeah. But why? Like, I, I'm just fascinated by that, that, that notion that the, the perception of beauty means you have to straighten your hair, because people... Sp- girls particularly females particularly because they've got more curly hair than men in general but just in particularly they straighten their hair all the time why because of that image yeah they know the reason not personal choice or 
No, I think it's just drummed into you from a young age. And I don't know if you watched um, the Friends reunion. Yeah. And it kind of really like, as it had that shh moment. Ah, and, um, Jennifer you know, Anderson's yeah, straight hair, that beauty that look. That was it. That was what everyone wanted to look like. And I put That's it on true. my Instagram and I was like, was this a massive factor of why you grew up straightening your hair? And everyone yeah. was like, 100%. And then there was that, what's that hair straightener product? GHD. GHD, oh God, yeah. They were like, I had them for Christmas and I was like, thought I was the luckiest person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it was, it, that was like the 90s, early noughties, and it's still going through today. Yeah. Um, that people, yeah, you just think actually, you know, it's more sophisticated, you're more well put together, it's more professional. Yeah. You look a bit, you know, more glamorous. Not scruffy or whatever, yeah. <laughs> that perception, yeah. 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 Okay. That, there is still that perception of it. And I think uh, even like men, I've had a lot of men now um, use Olo because they would go to work and always like shave their hair, but like very, very short because they're like, it's just a lot more professional. Mm. Or they'd even blow dry or straighten their hair because they're like, oh, you know, it's a lot more professional to go in looking all neat and tidy. Yeah. And now loads of men buy the curl cream, the oil, the gel, shampoo, um, to just be like, actually, no, I feel so much freer to be having my own hair and just, I feel like more creative and just more me. And I was like, yeah. yes, that's exactly what I want. <laughs> more personality. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. amazing. Uh, um, you spoke already about the products, uh, but just a uh, naive question. Yeah. At what stage does one use the oil? Is it, is it after you shower? Or when... um, so there's loads of different ways of using it. So it's very multi-purpose. Okay. Um, so if your hair is damaged, I definitely recommend putting it on when it's soaking wet because when your hair is soaking wet the cuticles of the hair is open okay so the moisture uh. will go straight in so the, it'll kind of feed your hair all the goodness and um, before I came on I wanted to zhuzh my hair a little bit because I was a bit flustered because I thought I was late <laughs> um, so I put a few drops in and kind of zhuzhed my hair and it kind of helps just give you a bit of volume and shine um did you do you carry the oil around with you yeah yeah it's in oh, bag. okay interesting yeah <laughs> Um, it's also really good. So if people have very dry scalp, dandruff, eczema, um, you can kind of put it in your scalp, kind of do a scalp massage, which helps with all of that. Mm. And it also helps um, with your like growing your hair because your pen, you know, um, what's the word? Got all shy. Um, <laughs> uh, it stimulates the blood flow in in your scalp. So. Yeah. Um, so those three and then also the last one which is very curly hair specific um, is you can spray water into your hair so when you wake up sometimes you don't want to bother washing your hair because you just want to lie in mm. um, or you just want to zhuzh your hair a little bit so you spray some water add a few drops of the oil and scrunch it in and it just revitalizes your curls so you're ready to go mm. for the day wow interesting <laughs> fascinating learning something every time but this is great so but so the six products where, where do you go from here you know obviously it stems from your personal uh from curly hair but some of the products now are uh, shampoo that anyone can use and then maybe body washes and things like that. Is that what you're thinking, uh, oil related? Yeah. yeah, yeah, you read my mind, okay. you know my strategy. <laughs> I was thinking, how could I use it? <laughs> um, yes, yeah, oh, yeah. so I want to kind of pay homage to the word oil, so the okay. oil. And um, so we're looking into kind of doing bath oils, body oils, face oils, mm. um, kind of oil moisturizers, face things like that. Okay, so ah, okay. Create it more into a brand that does yeah. specifically help curly hair, but also 
you know, we concentrate on all the oils because all of our products are all kind of oil-based. Oil -based. Yeah, amazing. So yeah, so even moisturizers, yeah, it's amazing. So so really, there's a lot of room for growth. There's a lot of different products and lines and things. Yes, I think we've, like I said, we've kind of kept to our niche of curly hair. But now that I know that people like the scent, they like the products, and they know they're good quality. So I know that we've got kind of that good uh, network of, of people that will kind of buy the next bit of our, our brand. Yeah, amazing. And um, and so just a question, uh, talk about the digital aspect of it. How, how did you upgrade it from the start and where are you now in terms of payment gateways, uh, tech and stuff like that? Yeah, so... Um, Do you have an app? Do you have things like that? Are you on marketplaces? Yes, yeah, so um, we upgraded from the shoddy website, <laughs> um, kind of the Shopify, so kind of the premium Shopify website and you can use any kind of card really from that paypal mastercard american express any kind of cards um and in terms of kind of digitalizing it and looking at tech so we've started to do online consultations um because i feel like different to other brands people like to speak to me or my employees who also have curly hair and ask our advice but kind of face to face obviously we can't do that because of the pandemic so We've done free online consultations with any purchase to see how it went. And um, we were like fully booked as soon as we launched it. Are they free? Is it just so a kind of... Free yeah. to begin with, just to see how they go. And obviously for us to, you know, in very like lean startup way to understand, okay, this works, this doesn't work. We can put money into this, maybe not that. Um, but it's really helped in, in lots of different ways. So obviously understanding our customer, which is super, super important. Um, having that relationship and for people to realize that these products were made and are still made you know for you specifically it's not because we know that you know I started it and I didn't even know that there was money within that marketplace it was just specifically to help women mm. um, so to really still have that message um, and uh, yeah so we started we started to do those and now we've um, decided to do longer versions and you have to pay for them but you kind of it's a bit like going to a doctor's surgery yeah um, and we give you kind of a full analysis of what you need what you should do every day and give you kind of a prescription of mm. um, what you should do and um, which is working really really well so mm. from there we want to kind of develop an app um to help us with that but that's based all, on these features yeah. yeah but that's all in kind of uh, loose terms at the yeah. moment. But. Well, you know, it's fascinating with digital now. You don't really need to because Shopify is so good and other marketplaces, yeah. it's so good that way. And social media, you can do selling on that as well. But yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, um, it's fascinating you talk about the pandemic and we may as well mention it, but, yeah. <laughs> but the acceleration of digital in regards to online consulting and things like that. One of our colleagues yesterday was telling me about um, uh, like a yoga... Uh, what do they call it like an active wear company yeah. that now does yoga classes online as subscription streaming because you know like could have done it for free and then does it as a package so it's a, it's kind of like um, a multi-purpose type company now yeah. um, how did you find the pandemic business-wise and also then that sort of digital part so to begin with, obviously, everyone thought it was going to be the worst thing in the world. Um, and I, I thought, well, who's going to buy hair products in a pandemic? Like, well, this is awful. <laughs> um, but I think we stuck. I never changed my messaging of Olo being like a carefree hair care beauty products. Like, it's not kind of high maintenance. It should be just 
you put it on, your hair looks good, and you can enjoy life, and you know, you're not in the bathroom for two hours doing your hair. Um, so that was my key message, and I think until the pandemic, I don't think it really resonated with as many people as it should have done. Um, and I don't know about you, but I feel like the pandemic made everyone go back to basics a little bit and reevaluate life and slow down and understand like why am I doing certain things? Um, so a lot of women just thought, why am I straightening my hair every day? <laughs> what have I been doing for the rest, like for, for about 10, 20 years of my life? What? I don't need to do this. And because they weren't going out to meet people, they're like, oh, actually, I can give my hair a break. And Olo always talked about this, so maybe I should give it a go. Yeah. Um, so that was how it started. And then people would share their results of every week, just organically, not with us asking. And um, that just sped us into kind of, we our, our sales tripled within a few months of the pandemic. We were just... Wow. completely snowed under my apartment because at the time so our fulfillment center closed down uh. so I had to bring it all back into my flat so I was packing boxes I'd wake up <laughs> at 3 a.m in the morning sometimes 4 a.m and not go to bed until about 11 so I'd have three or four hours sleep just packing boxes because wow. I didn't even have someone to come and help me because it was a lockdown um so yeah wow. I was in my That's flat cool. <laughs> boxes were just like I was eating food on boxes uh, it was just crazy um so yeah the pandemic really really I think just pushed the message across that embrace your natural hair because why why are you doing it and people are like actually I don't know why I'm doing it I'm just doing it to please other people um whereas yeah just, they were like actually I look what nicer with my natural hair what have yeah. I been doing yeah um, interesting yeah. there was a lady from Glamazelle before on the podcast who has a, a, a e-commerce platform here in the Middle East and mentioned the same thing about the pandemic that the the products that those type of products that are to do with self-care and cleansiness just went skyrocket and all the norm the other she had a word for them but the other beauty products like makeup just went really down but it was a it was a flip um, and you were right place right time but also uh you know but also obviously uh there's a demand for this beyond the pandemic you would think yeah i've um so this is something i was like quite nervous about um but from there's just been a different need. So when we went into the pandemic, a lot of women were stopping to straighten their hair and they wanted to understand what products to use, what techniques to use. Now, because they've had about a year to, to do all of that, mm. they're now wanting uh, how what hairstyles can I do with my curly hair? How can I dry my hair in a certain way? So there's just a different need, um, which we still cater for through the consultations and obviously we now have hair accessories to, to kind of help with that as well. So, mm. um, but no, there's it's here to stay, and I think that that understanding of self care and understanding, okay, we need to look after our own well being and ourselves rather than just being like busy bees like constantly. Um, has yeah, that's I think that's gonna stay. Yeah, definitely. And you've come out of the pandemic. It's we're still in it, like eighteen months or so, but. Uh, you know, you, your business has obviously grown through the pandemic. So that's a good position to be in. Now that you're in Dubai, how did you go about setting up the business? Are you going to start looking for investment now? Or are you going to continue the path, the, the organic path? Um, so I'm going to continue the organic path for a few months. Um, I've already got a few stockists um, in line in the UAE. And so as soon as my shipment comes, they'll be stocking it. Um, on our website, 
we've got specific UAE websites at olo.ae mm. where people can um, subscribe to the newsletter and get um, the best discounts and understand when they can actually purchase directly from our website. Um, but I have been speaking to a few womenpreneurs um, and I will, I am going to kind of look into different types of funding because I feel like it might help me elevate a lot quicker and just grow a lot quicker mm. um, than I have been doing because I know that I've got a good brand, we've got about 80% um, of people repurchase on the website mm. which is amazing. And you're profitable? Um, we're profitable, we don't have any mm. loans, um, wow. nothing and our cash flow is, is really really good so mm. if we just had a bit of a cash injection I think we'd yeah. We'd, um, yeah, really, really benefit from it. What would you use that for? Would you do manufacturing in the UAE? Would you do marketing? Would you look maybe more at Africa and other markets like that? Yeah, I think it depends on how much money I get. But like, <laughs> all of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it would be good to have manufacturing here so we wouldn't have to ship everything from the UK. Yeah. Um, it'd also be great to have kind of a sales team, so to have targets and they could target, you know, specific um stockists and and do in different regions um so i think we could talk, really concentrate on the gcc countries in the first year and then from there kind of look at australia east africa um, as kind of shipping hubs from the uae yeah fascinating interesting and um yeah so just going back to previously so did you choose a free zone here or how did you kind of establish the business so yeah i chose a free zone in Sharjah. Mm. Um, I did a lot of research and obviously because it's e-commerce it doesn't really matter where it's registered mm. um, and it was slightly cheaper there as well. So. Okay, and you don't have an office, yes? You, no, uh, okay. um, no, I've never really had an office. Okay. I just <laughs> like to just go everywhere, but I will yeah. be having a fulfillment centre which we're in talks with, we're just finalising that. Yeah, and will you travel to Kuwait and meet the stockists again and will you travel to Saudi Arabia when possible? Yeah, so she's actually coming to coming to Dubai next month and we're going to do a uh, photo shoot in the desert um, with lots of curly haired ladies cool um, so that's going to be awesome nice. and it'll yeah. be the launch of the Arabic Oud uh, range as well ah like, very good yeah. good planning you've yeah. just given it away now by the way <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah and so so that's really really brilliant story and just finally as well like, like what's your view on the region of the Middle East uh, what's your view on it not just in the ca in the category that you're in but sort of as an entrepreneur here now um are you uh what what's your exposure of it so far how are you kind of getting au fait with the market with the region and um how do you see it as an emerging market and um, to from, from my personal opinion it was quite difficult to get everything set up um but i think that's when you move to any other country mm. it's um it's a lot more difficult than what you envisaged but it's all it's all good now um, but I think it's just, I know this sounds really cliche, but it is, I feel like it's a land of opportunity. You know when people talk about the American dream, mm. I feel like that's here. I think if you work hard enough and you kind of understand what you're doing and you really just put your mind to it, I think you can do really, really, really well here. Great. Um, and I think anything, I think every, there's this attitude of just embracing new things like everything, like you can look out the window and something new has already popped up. And I think that's the same in, in the people that live here. I think anything new, people absolutely love. So. Brilliant, I'm sure. And they love your product, Ole. <laughs> Thank you very much. Eleanor, thanks for joining the podcast. It's a pleasure to hear your story and we'll follow your journey in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you. 
That's it for another episode of Dubai Works. Thank you so much for listening and please leave a review on the podcast platform that you're listening to. It really helps with organic searches. Also, if you'd like to appear on Dubai Works or know someone who has an inspiring business story in Dubai, please do get in touch on any of the smashy social platforms. 